This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Michael Kushner. Michael Kushner is a multi-hyphenate. What that means is, in Michael's case, he's an actor, a producer, a photographer, and he is also the podcast host of the Dear Multi-Hyphenate podcast. So it was a pleasure sitting down talking with Michael Kushner. He's firing on many different cylinders and doing it well and managing to make a living even during this global pandemic. So there was a lot that I was uh, eager to learn and hear and discover about him. And we had a great conversation. I highly recommend you check out Dear Multi-Hyphenate podcast. Um, But this was really fun talking with him here because I got to hear a different side of him um, from what we maybe hear from on on his podcast because the tables were turned a little bit. So he was able to be and share himself, um, which he does there as well. But this was just kind of a, another side. So this is the host of the Dear Multi-Hyphenate Podcast, Michael Kushner. Let's have a conversation. Hello. Hello, how are you? How are you? I'm I'm all right, yeah. Good, well that's I was, good. <laughs> I was actually uh, experiencing um, kind of like a down couple of days um, and for no good reason, you know, just kind of. This is kombucha. It's not wine. Yeah. Well, either, either is acceptable, you know? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it happens. And I'm really sorry that you, um, I think it's happening to a lot of people just like in this random little time, like the past few days. So yeah, I'm out of it soon. Yeah. I feel like I am. Okay, also, good. and I, I don't know, I was listening to your podcast, actually, nice. um, earlier, I went on a little walk. Um, and then I kind of booked something that's like, uh, a different kind of thing and, and kind of through the lens of this unique path that we both find ourselves on, of kind of not doing things in a traditional, right. quote unquote way. Right. But then also finding and like your shows shows um, what is a traditional way kind of really, especially in New York, I think most people have very unique ways of uh, getting wherever, wherever it is we're heading. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's um, so many different paths that we can take and so many, I mean, it is, yeah, it, yes, <laughs> you gotta, um, you gotta have the you gotta befriend nose yeah yeah you really do yeah i forget who i was listening to or where it popped into my head recently about nose that i've been telling people is like you have to realize like it's a no maybe for somebody or for some entity or some project but you don't have to accept it as a no for you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we take the no's on to ourself too many times. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately no's mean you can't be in the show or you mm-hmm. can't do like it. it, it it's an opportunity that we really want to be a part of. Like it's a, um, like it's a job or a story that we want to tell. And that's a bummer, but knows they inform us uh, as to like how we feel about that project if it stings then we care and that's then we need to like pay attention to those patterns and understand like why they're stinging or maybe we don't care and we're so and then we are able to to understand like why why we don't really care that much about them so they're um they're informative yeah um, and I don't know about how long have you been in New York, by the way? Um, 2013. Okay. Um, so I'm sure I could pretty safely guess in 2014, one of your goals probably then wasn't to start a podcast. Yeah, no, I, I don't you know. 
I don't even know if I knew what a podcast was back then. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I even know what a podcast is now. You know, I think like ultimately the reason why, you know, podcasts are successful, if you know, is just a, a specific point of view. I think you could, if you're given the platform, you could do whatever medium you want, you can, what, whatever you can in the medium to just get your story across. And, and I just do what I know to be true. It's nothing groundbreaking, but the conversations are um, fresh and current. And I think people always want that, especially if they're, you know, um, especially if they're active in the community, like I'm not looking to become a viral sensation on my podcast. I just want to permeate the industry in a way where like people can, people can make choices about what they do um, in a more secure way. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's my, that's my whole thing with the podcast. Um, yeah. So I know I did not think it was going to be a part of my whole artistic identity, but I did get on it before the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a, it was, a, it was interesting because it was like, I sort of skipped over the whole like pandemic rush of podcast creations, mm-hmm. you know, so many people were like, um, I'm going to create a podcast now because that's how I can build an audience. And I'm like, Oh, I already have a few episodes out. I have like, trying to think of how many episodes I actually had out before the podcast, before the pandemic, probably about, probably about 10 or 12 or something like that. But Mm -hmm. yeah. So I had already started working on it, but what about you? Was that your, like, did like, tell me about you. About the, the podcast or about the. Yeah. About like your creation and your, uh, your, um, you know, your history and stuff like that. Yeah, the short story is kind of, like, I guess it was 10 years ago. I kind of walked away from acting yeah. and was doing music for a while, had a band, um, and that was going cool for a while, playing, like, you know, Webster Hall, Rock, all those kind of New York places that you play. Right. Um, was briefly signed with, like, a small label. And, and at the time, kind of completely walked away from acting for about five years. Right. Um, and that came about from doing this, like, web series called Once Upon a Time in Brooklyn. And there was this character that I was developing. Originally, it was going to be, like, a lot more me in the character. And then we went more fictional. But the idea was originally... Um, I didn't want him to be an actor. So I wanted him to be a musician. You know, I didn't want to do a show about acting. Um, But as I was doing it, I realized that I wanted to be that guy actually that I was like creating. Cool. And then kind of at a certain point realized I was wanted to take a break from acting. Right. And then about five years ago, started really realizing that I really actually missed that other thing that was important to me and started slowly coming back. Um, But at the same time, uh, basically was kind of figuring out a number of different things. I had managed a bar for a while and in the process of doing a play, lost the management. Is my, got some weird sound going on my, maybe it's my headphones. Um, but basically in the process of, of doing this play stopped managing the bar, um, was kind of let go of the management side, but it was, that was kind of like a sign and all of this stuff, but kind of left me at this point of sort of like, I really felt back in my element, but kind of like, what do I do right now? And was kind of trying to figuring it out and listening to podcasts, just something about, these podcasts that I was listening to at the time were sort of like, this is an important thing to do. Yeah. Um, And so that was kind of the first thing that I did, like kind of prioritized getting a podcast up um, and then started coming back to acting. Yeah. So yeah. So for me, it was like a couple of years before the pandemic, there've been times when I was trying to release two episodes of a week. uh, And that. That's a lot. Yeah. It was too much. Only recently have I finally given that 
<laughs> dream up. Um, right. And, I, and I was doing, um, I was doing one per week and that even was intense. Like, yeah, you know, my producer and I were sort of like, you need to, you should go to, and I, and I was like, I, I looked at that as a failure. I was like, yeah, but I want to be able to do it. And I have stories to tell. No, it's so much. I, I, my downloads have gotten so much better since mm-hmm. I made it every other week. So it's been nice, you know? And that's super interesting because I do at least, you know, sort of follow your podcast. Like I know a number of people on it. I follow you on Instagram and I had no idea that you even cut down your release. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we, we have this idea in our head, like, Oh no, no. Like people right. don't even have, like, there's so many podcasts now also. So right. people don't have time to listen to everything you're doing probably even every other week. You know, I think 7,000 new podcasts are created a day. Wow. Is the statistic right now. Yeah. Which is a little insane. <laughs> and so how many do you have out now? Um, I just released my 41st episode. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I I know the statistic before was like most podcasts don't make it to 10. Um, and then even more, like most, like 90% don't go past 20. Mm-hmm. So you're over the you're over the hump. <laughs> It's made me really happy to do it. I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy about it. And I um, just found out that I got a book deal actually about, like with it. So then we're sort of extending the whole thing. And so I'm going to be working on that shortly. And, and it's just, I, I'm excited that the whole brand is sort of growing and um, yeah, I, I can't wait. And so what made you start this podcast specifically? Yeah. Um, so basically, I had I had an experience where I was photographing someone, uh, photographing in an event, and a, a mother that I had known a friend's mom that I had known for a long time uh, was at the event and she saw me and she looked at me up and down and she was like, you're doing this now? Photographing. And I was um, bummed about that. And I was young too. It was like 2014. And I was really bummed about that because I was so worried about how others were perceiving me. And I was worried that like what I was doing was failure and that I hadn't like I didn't have the guts I didn't have the talent I didn't have any of that but then as I started to really sort of focus on the on the photography and also be at auditions I started to realize that I was starting to make creative decisions all on my own that I didn't need uh what I like to call a for now job not a survival job because survival sounds negative. So I like to say for now job. It's just a reminder that it's just for now. And I was able to quit my for now job and have clients and have an income. And oh my God, I can go on vacation and I'm saving money and I'm going on auditions. Wow. And then I started to realize, I was like, now I don't need to go on as many auditions as, as I used to anymore just because like, you know, I have photography that's helping me tell stories that I want to tell. So I'm only going to go into like this auditions that I really want to go on. And then I was like, but I also want to tell stories that I can't be in. So I'm going to explore producing and I'm going to use the income that I have with my photography to help me produce projects I can be in. Um, and then people were like, wow, you, you do it all. Wow. You do it all. And, and I was like, I do, I do what I can, first of all, mainly because I love to do it, not because I feel like I have to do it. And people were starting to take me out to coffee and starting to ask me to meet and do this. And I sort of was like, I don't have the time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, what if I just sort of created this outlet where 
uh, people can listen to my stories and the stories of those in the industry that, um, that I feel are also sort of what I'm talking about here, the multi-hyphenate experience. And um, Broadway Podcast Network liked the idea and we just sort of went for it. And uh, it's been really great. It's been awesome because um, it's just sort of like, you know, relieve stress. Like, you know, I get to have story time with friends or get to know there are some guests that I've never talked to before that episode. So like, you know, they, they came highly recommended, Michael, you need to talk to this person because they, they just did this, 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 and this. And I'm like, wow, that's really impressive. I'd actually like to know more about how they did that because, you know, they have different hyphens than I do, or their backgrounds are different. So I get just, I get as much of it. I get just as much out of it as I think the audience does. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a big thing for me doing podcasts is, like you said, it's like making friends, it's hanging out with friends, um, making new friends, but then also the people that I do know, like prior. Yeah. I don't have these conversations with most people these days. Like if you're out to dinner with somebody, we have our phones and, you know what I mean? Hopefully you're not checking your phone too much, but it's this thing where we have to all the time. And it's like, this is one of the only times where it's sort of like, no, for this hour or however long it is, I'm listening to you, you know? Yeah. I I mean, you know, when I have these interviews, when I talk, I, um, I, I'm not looking at my phone, but there was an, oh my God, there was an episode that I was recording a few weeks ago by accident. My, I was playing around with MailChimp Mm -hmm. to do a newsletter and I didn't know what I was doing. And I guess I accidentally clicked um, for a campaign to go out and it was 24 hours after I had finalized the campaign, I guess. So it went out to 3000 people and it start and it happened in the middle of when I was recording a podcast and the campaign like wasn't ready to go out yet. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I just sent this unfinished email to 3000 people and um, it was awful. And I, in the middle of the recording, I just start hearing my phone go boop, 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 because I was getting back because I was getting back um, like so many automatic responses, mm-hmm. you know, from the emails. So um, I thought that was really, really kooky and really wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had to change my, um, I, I had to look at my phone in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so question for you, Yeah. your podcast, Dear Multi-Hyphenate. Yeah. You talk to different, you know, multi-hyphenate people. Um, how today, and I know that this is ever evolving, but kind of how would you describe yourself today? Yeah, I'm just, I'm literally like myself, Michael Kushner, because oh. like I, I say I am a Yiddish speaking vaudevillian spirit desperately trying to fit into a contemporary world. That's like who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I am an old soul, like Mel Brooks, like the older, the older the stories that, they are the more that I'll probably connect with them. Um, and I'm desperately always trying to fit in, like trying to like do the trends on TikTok, failing miserably, but trying. Um, and that's who I am. And I think like, no matter what I do in the, my career, I will always like, just do what I know, you know? And that's just be me. And I think that's why Dear multi Infinite has been really, um, has been successful and has reached people. And it's just because like, I'm just doing what I know. I'm just doing like, I'm just, I'm just delivering the point of view that I know. So um, that's been, it's been helpful. Mm-hmm. But what then, about you? How would you describe you? Yeah. Um, so I aspire to be the greatest storyteller. Yeah. Um, and breaking generational curses through speaking 
writing, acting, and music. Cool. Love that. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Wow. I love the generational curses. That's good. So that came about most recently. So last year I had a um, playwriting residency with the Shelter Theater Company uh -huh. um, and wrote a couple of plays with them. And then right at the beginning of this year, actually on New Year's Eve, I had a conversation with my father about my grandfather, Alex Stevens, the first. And he was a jazz musician. Have you heard of the movie One Night in Miami that just came out? Um, mm -hmm. So Sam Cooke recorded this album called Live at the Harlem Square, which was in Overtown, Miami, where my dad was born and raised. And my grandfather used to headline that nightclub. And it's a crazy story. He had to flee one night, actually. One night in Miami, he had to flee. Miami with his life. Um, but he ended up putting his guitar down and giving up on his dreams wow. for a whole number of reasons. Um, and my dad was telling me he used to go out on the porch in Dark Nights of the Soul and say, I'm M-A-N, I'm M-A-N. And when he told me that, I was like, wow, that's like my grandfather trying to assert who he was with who he could have been. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so I created this whole story. Like, wow. so awesome. there's this one man play I'm developing now. I'm going to the Barrel Group next month to continue that. Um, but yeah, that and kind of the whole greatest storyteller and the generational curses. All you know how it is. Like, it's all yeah. like we're, we're constantly kind of refining this story, but it all kind of clicked through writing that. That's great. Um, I love that. And I'll share with you also, and this will be the first time, I don't know when I'm going to release this episode, but while writing this play about fathers and sons, mm -hmm. I found out that I'm going to be a father. So literally the stuff that we do as artists, you know, woo woo, if you want to call it that, but like really thoughts become things and the stories that we tell ourselves and tell others have real world implications. Um, and effects. So. Congratulations. Thank you. It's Thank very you. exciting. Yeah. Um, it is exciting. Uh, it's also one of those things that at one point I thought it was uh, relationship or career. Mm -hmm. And then definitely for the longest time, I thought it was uh, you can have kids or you can have a career. And I'm happy to say the community that I've been building and being invited into over the last few years has shown me that it's not one or the other. Like, I think as artists, we feel that way, but I think a lot of people in the world, like with careers and stuff like that, especially pre-pandemic, there were like a lot of things that we were, a lot of stories we were telling ourselves about what we had to do to quote unquote, make it. And I think on one of the most recent episodes, you were talking about, it's called Artist Guilt. And it's like yeah. about, yeah, like that, no, like, are we happy doing the work that we're... I think that there's like a different Artist Guilt for, congratulations, I'm very happy for you. Like, it's very, it's, you know, artistry is sort of really, the way that we can be artists has really changed in the past 20 years and you don't have to choose artists to, um, excuse me, edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just, the kombucha is making me like, I'm a COVID long hauler. And uh, so I'm not drinking, but the kombucha like really helps, but it makes me really burpy. So please edit that out. Um, take two. <laughs> um, there's no, uh, the industry has really changed in the past 20 years and, and you don't have to choose art over family or family over art. Like, you know, you can't make it happen. Um, but what you're saying about artist guilt, it used to be like, um, artist guilt used to be like, I uh, am not creating enough. Mm-hmm you know, I, I'm not creating enough and I don't have the inspiration and I don't, you know, all that stuff. And um, now artist guilt, I think has been flipped on its head because I've, I've been um, producing a lot of content and 
stuff and I've really taken quarantine and this pandemic by the horns and sort of, uh, and sort of like made it my, not to get um, blue or anything, but really made it my bitch and sort of like, was like, no, 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 no. I'm not undoing all this stuff. Like I'm not letting anything. So I really was able to keep an income going and keep creative and stay on top of things. And, um, I, and I know that's not the same case for everyone and seeing people leave the city and seeing people, um, survive first, make choices where they have to, uh, to survive. Yeah. And that, and, and that giving up on the, on those artistic efforts in a moment really broke my heart. And I felt guilty for putting out those things into the world sometimes mm. because I was like, there are so many of my friends that are struggling right now. And I'm just sort of going like, well, here's another per- you know, production I just produced. And like, well, here's this, I was just featured in this. Like, wow, 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 I'm amazing. But at the same time, you know, I was given the opportunity to produce something. And this is what I have practiced my whole life for. Why, why not? Why, why, why squash my artistic impulses because of the comfort of someone else? Like I am a cancer um, and I'm an empath. So like I genuinely do uh, love my friends and will put them put their needs and wants in front of me. And, uh, it does get in the way sometimes, but in this instance, like, I, like, it's my career, it's my Mm -hmm. career. And that's the whole thing about the multi-hyphenate experience is like, it's my career. It's not yours. You, if you want to produce something or do this or do that, you can, Mm -hmm. no one's stopping you. You can figure out a way, but I've already been doing these things. I've already established myself as a multi-hyphenate, as someone that is sort of like, all right, I know I, because um, the last show that I had, uh, I'm an equity actor and the last show I was casting was in 2013. I've already been practicing what it's like to not have a job and how to stay creative. I have seven years, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, seven years. I've, been, I've definitely health. been paying my dues. <laughs> yeah, for like but, a longer amount of time than. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can relate to that. Yes, but I have seven years under my belt of creating my own work and making yeah. sure that I am the only person that can dictate what jobs I take. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I have to remind myself to not really feel guilty in that moment because they wouldn't they wouldn't feel guilty if I was, if it was me and they have the opportunity to be a, a, to be a producer of something or to sell a project somewhere to whatever they had the opportunity to do it. They would do it and they wouldn't bat an eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also one of your guests was talking about it and this was a big shift for me after taking a break from acting and coming back. It's like sometimes I mean, there's like a healthy level of like competitiveness when you're acting or doing anything, but realizing that really I'm not competing with anybody else. And one of your guests was talking about it. Like, I, I can't remember how they were saying it exactly, but it's like when you see somebody do something that you want to do, you can either get jealous about it or you can look at it like a roadmap. And so it's like for any friends that would get jealous or something of what you're doing, if they want to do it, it actually serves them for you to keep doing what you're doing. They will only benefit by seeing more people around them do what they want to do, you know, and hopefully eventually they'll actually do it, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's like, we should all be building each other up. We should like, I like I plan to bring everyone with me. And I have met a lot of people in the industry that I have started to work with or started to uh, have relationships with, and then they um, fall apart because I um, 
there are a lot of things that happen that sort of I'm just like, oh boy, that's a that's a red flag. I'm gonna uh-huh. take a step back. But you know, if we are supportive of each other and you don't pull any, you know, shit with me, and it's sort of like um you you aren't um stressed or jealous of what I'm doing and vice versa, like I want to take everyone with me. When if I'm if I'm gonna go on this like journey of like of success, I want everyone to come with me. I don't want to be the only person on that journey, especially because I am not the only person that got me there. Right. I am. I am. I believe in the ensemble, and I I would not be anyone or anywhere without an ensemble of people. I look about like my family even. You know, every person in my family had a very, very specific, positive um, uh, influence on me. And that's an ensemble of people. You know what I mean? That's a group of people. And it's the same, like, my professors, like, even though, like, college was weird and, like, I, there were a lot of things I would have done differently or change, I still am so thankful for the education I received. And um, my group of friends, the my creative group of friends, you know, it's like there's an ensemble and I want to bring that ensemble with me wherever I go. So long as you're willing to go on the ride with me. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, where kind of do you want to go like next right now? I know you mentioned like the book, um, what kind of stuff have you been producing? What kind of stuff do you want to produce? Yeah. And then kind of like, yeah, like, yeah. Where do you want to go next or now maybe is a better word. Yeah. I invested in a Broadway show in 2018 and I really did not like it mainly because I saw what for the first time, like hands-on, like what a producer a co- like a co-producer does versus a, you know and exactly anything so i was like i don't want to do that i don't want to be an investor and i don't want to be a co-producer because co-producers are generally just responsible for raising money just units of money for a broadway show and that's not exciting at all to me mm-hmm. like if that's your kicks great i love it there's some some of my friends are so good at it and they love it and it's amazing and they do it. For me, that's not my journey. I uh, love being executive producer of projects, having creative input. Um, I'm the executive producer of the uh, Emmy nominated series, Indoor Boys. And um, being able to work with Alex Wise and Wes Taylor on that was absolutely incredible. I learned so much. I failed so many different times, but it was the right, it was my first like big thing and um, it was the right environment. Like they knew hiring me and collaborating with me that I would be messing up. And I did, but they did as well. And, you know, no, we just, it's onwards. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's just, it's onwards. So now I'm, um, I'm, uh, exec, uh, not executive producer. I am producer of, um, a new film that we're filming in May starring Alice Ripley, uh, called the pink unicorn. It is a one, woman play written by Elise Foyer Eddy. And uh, we are turning that into a film. We are filming that for a week in May in New Jersey. And there are some things that are happening with it that I can't say now, but that is what we are doing. And it's very exciting. So it's the smaller projects that I can have um, say there's artistic stake. And I also make money that way. Like, you know, because I have the producer's fee or I have, I'm also, you know, DP, director of photography for this project. So I have my DP fee. So I'll be able to make money off of that project. Um, and it's not a gamble. Uh, it's in my contract. It's in my agreement. And so that excites me. But photog- like, I just want to continue on this multi-hyphenate endeavor. Like, you know, I'm really excited to be writing this book, um, continuing on with the podcast experience. Um, you know, I really do enjoy the whole TED Talk uh, workshop vibe because I really do love to work with people and meet with people and inspire people. But performing in a Broadway show is not a dream that I don't think will ever go away. Um, is a dream that 
I don't think will ever go away. You know, there's always, but it has to be the right thing because there's so many other things that are happening that I'm sort of like, I, I don't want, I don't want it to be a miserable experience. And some might say, who do you think you are? What privileged idiot do you think you are to think that you deserve that experience or whatever? And it's like, no, it's not that. I just, the stakes, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I'm happy where I am creating and having my own artistic uh, identity. And so if the right show comes along where uh, somehow I, you know, I book it, then great that's the as an artist i'm allowed to have that agency and be like this is the career that i want so i mean i still audition i'm still you know i i'm still i'm still an artist an actor i'm a dues paying actor so like the crazier things have happened yeah yeah (laughs) there's there's no there's no rule in this industry so i'm allowed to be like i do want to be on broadway still and i do think i'll be able to get there on this track like i'm Mm -hmm. allowed to say that i'm allowed to say that because because there are no rules in this industry Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um and i actually feel especially in new york i actually feel rule breakers can be rewarded yeah they usually are yeah you know um look at you know one person plays right yep I have a one person play that I wrote and I've done a few times and um, it's not dead. Yeah. It's being looked at by a few places. It's not dead and the story will be relevant for a while. So like, you know, what if I do it in an off, off Broadway house or a regional house, a producer loves it and they're like, we, we want to take this to New York. Like we want this to be an off-Broadway contract. And then it gets New York Times critics choice and critics pick, and then it's sold out. And then all of a sudden it goes to Broadway. That's happened before. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Many times. So it's like, you know, like, don't, I I don't, I don't, if you're gonna, if you're going to come for me, if you're going to say like, you can't do something, I'm watch me do it. Mm Mm-hmm just because I love this industry so much. Like I love what we're able to do as artists and the way that we are allowed, that we can make people feel. And I don't have time to, to, you know, invest in your bullshit. If you're going to be negative. Yeah. I want like you support me. I, I support you. Please support me because where I go, you're going to go. Okay. My success is your success. So if you don't want that, cool, but don't, this is, this is it. This is where we end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of my, I'm feeling fiery today. I, I'm feeling it though. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm usually not this fiery, but I got my shot. I got oh, my, yeah. I got my first vaccine, like at three 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm feeling like emotional and all of these crazy things. So I'm feeling like really fired up because I'm just like so excited for life to like, yeah i'm done wearing a mask i want to be back in a broadway house so i'm really feeling fired up today and i'm just like there's no time Mm -hmm. there's no time for this bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah and you're still in new york where where are you in new york yeah i'm in harlem okay yeah i'm in bushwick um but i don't know about you i i miss of course theater i know we both miss that but I re-fell in love with New York during this time. Like, I understand people leaving. People have to do what they have to do to survive. But I feel really excited to be here right now um, on the verge of whatever the next thing is. Like, I feel like it's going to be a really exciting time if you're ready and, like, take advantage of it for what it is, you know? The rule used to be if you're here, if you're in Manhattan for 10 years, then you're a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. But I think if you stayed during the pandemic, you're a New Yorker. Definitely. Definitely. We'd, I, I mean, there's no place I'd rather be in this world. 
Um, I always say I'm in a long, I'm in a committed relationship with New York, but my mistress is London. The one place that I love, you know, love like I love New York is London. And um, I live there as well. It's sort of like, I'm glad that I also don't live there because like I have that idea of London in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's It's a place to escape to you know, go for a vacation and catch up and, you know, and I, I have places where, you know, my mom's best friend lives there. So I stay with her and like, I, you know, establishing my own life over there, which is nice, but living there would probably ruin that when New York falling, feel like falling, refalling in love with New York happens every day. And it's a choice. Yeah. You have to, you have to choose to fall in love with New York because when we're younger, you know, uh, many, many people have stayed in a hotel in the theater district and it's around Christmas time when they visited. So it's like pretty and, um, you know, there are touristy things to do. So it's magical and the show, like, you know, you're going out to dinner every night and seeing the show and, I feel like there's like a very magical way for the memories, the tourist version of what we would do with our families and stuff like that. I'm from Great Neck, Long Island, and I was raised in Fort Lauderdale. So all you have to do is hop on Jeju, you know, just JetBlue and go from Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach to JFK or LaGuardia. You're there Mm -hmm. in two and a half hours. And um, so I was flying up a lot. So I have a different, you know, I have a different um, perspective of Manhattan. And it was more like, I remember as I started getting older, you know, uh, I started flying up and spending summers by myself, like um, just staying with my grandma, you know, not flying up with my parents or whatever, when I was about 15, 16. And I would take the bus into Manhattan from my grandma's apartment in, uh, in Queens. And I would just walk around the theater district all day and like on my own get student rush tickets and there's one day where i was walking past the al hirschfeld theater i'm 16 years old and i knock on the stage door it's wedding singer was playing i knock on the stage door and this tall security guard doorman opens up he's like yeah and i'm like hi i'm my name's michael and i live in florida and i um and i am a theater student and i would love to see backstage and he literally went okay and brought me in gave me a tour backstage of the al hirschfeld theater and then walked me on stage and i was standing all of a sudden standing on a broadway stage Mm -hmm. and i looked out and you know they hadn't even swept up the confetti that had, you know, uh, fallen at the end of act two of the matinee. And I was like, oh my God. And he saw that I had a, uh, he saw that I had a digital camera in my hand and was like, do you want a picture? So I have this picture of me in American Eagle, an American Eagle shirt and shorts, plaid American Eagle shorts and Crocs just standing on zero, like, with the goofiest grin and just so excited. And so that's, that's New York to me. Mm -hmm. And it's always a choice for me to create that New York again, and also create that New York for younger individuals, you know, Mm -hmm. because I have a lot of access to go backstage. So I like to be able to bring a friend or, you know, a friend's kid or whoever, make sure that they can get backstage because I want them to have the same experience I did, that magic of that this whole, that the, that New York is community, the theater is community and that the nicest people live in New York, it's the tourist center, I mean. And like, yeah. that it does take a certain energy to be here, to live here, but I wouldn't have it anywhere. I wouldn't have it anywhere else. I love it here. One of the things I love about that story also is you got to see backstage and be on a Broadway stage because you asked. Yeah. And that's a big thing about New York. It's like, have you asked? 
people are just like you said, surprisingly friendly and will go out of their way and be helpful if you ask. Today, today, I had a really busy day. And um, I, uh, a friend, uh, um, a mentee of mine, like I, I, you know, I help him with his career a little bit. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, a, a friend, but he, he's younger than me. He's a lot younger. He's, I think, might even be a senior in college still. So, um, you know, a lot younger. And he always reaches out for advice and I always give it to him. He's a lovely person, extremely talented. I have no qualms about that. But he has a project and I told him, when you're done with that project, it needs a press release and I'll help you. So of course he emails me today on this busy day and he's like, I want to send this press release out. And I couldn't, I couldn't write it for him. I was going to write it for him, but I did take three minutes and respond on this email and said, can't do this. But what I can do is tell you what needs to go on it. Okay. So press release needs bit title, subtitle, this, 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 remember it's a call to action that, um, your this it, this article is coming out so people can be easily directed to where your project is. And then like 10 minutes later, he responded and he was like, like this? And it was a great press release. And I was like, yes, good job. You know what I mean? Like it took, it took me five minutes of my day to just help him. Mm-hmm. But I also was able to establish the boundary and be like, look, honestly, I can't do this for you today, but here's what I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just because he asked, like, how would, how would, how would he know what my answer would be is if he didn't ask, you know, and that's the whole thing about New York is showing up. New York is a town about showing up, just being like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. for. Um, I have a friend. One of my favorite audition stories ever is I have a friend. We, I can't, I moved to the city as an equity member she moved where this graduated the same year at different schools and we were doing concerts moving, you know, in the city and we would perform 54 below together. We'd perform at nymph together or something like that. And we, I would see her at auditions and I would have an appointment cause I'm in the union and she wouldn't, she'd be waiting there cause she was not union. And one day I sat, was sitting with her. I was like, you're so talented. It's just a matter of time. Let me see what's in your book. Like, let's, let's change your book. Like, let's get, let's get you telling you stories. She's like, okay, I'll call you. She never called me. I ran into a friend a few weeks later. And she's like, oh my God, did you hear what happened with Lauren? And I was like, what happened with Lauren? She went to another one of those auditions an equity audition and she was not equity she was because she showed up at the right time the first person on the list and they had on the non-ec list and they had seen maybe the first two or three people on that list and she was seen call back call back call back opening night on broadway on broadway from non-ec waiting at 4.30 in the morning, golly gee, I hope I get seen, to replacing the lead in Kinky Boots on Broadway. And then doing the first national tour and then going to do the original company of Frozen. So that's New York. It's just showing up, showing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So how did you learn how to write a press release and how to show, like, how did you... <laughs> Cause no one else was going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I, again, I was a working child actor and I loved being my own press person. I mean, I loved it. I would, you know, after I, my grandma found my first professional gig in the newspaper. And after I learned that I could do that, I was searching high and low and then it moved online. So I was searching high and low in the middle of yearbook class or online, you know what I mean? In math, mm-hmm. like searching. And I was building a website. I was like all of my adult co-stars in the shows. I was the only kid in some of the shows. My adult friends would have websites. And I was like, I need a website. 
So just growing up in the industry, being interviewed in the, you know, Florida papers, like Sun Sentinel and Miami Herald, like I really sort of got this visual of what an, um, a, a press release should look like. And I just sort of, you know, helped my friends out. And I'd be like, look, just let's write this. I'm not going to charge you. I know what needs to look like this, you know, and let's send this to, um, you know, Broadway world or something. And just the, you know, the practice. And then as I became a producer, you weren't, it's not, you know, you're not doing a favor now. It's part of your job to make sure that the press releases go out, which I know how to do. But then when you work on certain projects, you have a press rep. So then <laughs> you sort of like go in the hierarchy of things. It's like, you know, you're just fooling around helping out friends and then you're producing something, but it's not that big of a budget where you need a press rep. So you're doing it all on your own, but then you do a project that has a budget for a press rep and then you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But you at least can communicate with the press rep and be like, you know, just for, you know, Pink Unicorn, the film that I'm doing with Alice, the press rep has been emailing us back and forth being like, how does, how is this version, blah, blah, blah. And because we know what it needs to look like and the, you know, the hook of it, of what people need to read, then we get to sort of, um, you know, it's, it's, we, we just know because I've just been doing that. So it's sort of, um, I know how to also do it because it interests me. Mm -hmm. like, I loved, I loved press. I loved, um, being interviewed for newspapers and talking about projects. And I loved it. I still do. Um, so I, I, and again, because I love the theater in general, not just performance, not just photography, not just producing, not just writing, not just podcasting, but I love it all. I have to learn about those different things that um, go into that. And that is, you know, graphics and social media and uh press releases and um how to call a show if i'm you know running it or something like that maybe it's not my go-to thing like i don't think you would hire me to be a stage manager you wouldn't and um you would hire me to be your graphic designer but if i'm working on a project myself and i need that done that's I could that's I could save the project five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars because we because I'll just do it because I know how to do it, and yeah. because I'm a photographer, I know it looks good. So it's not just going to be a rinky dink graphic design. It'll be actually like a good graphic design. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's funny because I'm seeing a line all the way back to your story of who you are and how it encompasses all of that. But the vaudevillian tradition, those vaudeville acts had to do all of that. Like all yeah. those old school theater acts. If you go back to London and Shakespeare, you had to do all of that, like as a company. Yeah. 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 There's um, Elena Garcia, who is my mentor from high school and then became a client of my mom's, a, sk a skin client and friend of my mom's. We became friends you know, she's not, I still can't call her Elena. She's still Garcia, you know, like once you're introduced to me as like a teach, like, you know, mm -hmm. but um, we're very close. And she, uh, she had this philosophy about canon stick theater. She's like, it doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter where you are, what you have. If you have a canon, a stick, you can make something incredible. And I always was inspired by that. Um, but what she did was at the end of our sophomore year, she had her class, her sophomore class, write their own one-person shows. But the rest of the class would then design, run, and produce the shows. So I directed Ariel's and Nicole directed mine and Emily costume designed mine and I tech designed um, 
Koreans. You know what I mean? Like we all had a proficiency that we, you know what I mean? This was in high school or college? High school. That's amazing. I, I love that. So we were basically being bred into the multi-hyphenate lifestyle before it even had a name. And so I was able to have these proficiencies and be able to like, you know, I would sit there and be like, I knew how to operate a lighting board because I learned because we learned, we, we, we learned, it was part of the class to learn how to do the, the lighting board and go, all right, no, 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 that's, that's too bright. That's too bright. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's Q. That's Q12. And no, just do it. And we just did it. And we put on a, a night of our one person shows. It was a show that we had in the studio theater. Um, and that was really, really important. It was really important, which then carried into my college experience. Um, because one of my professors who I'm also very close with still to this day she, Cynthia Henderson, is a writer. She has a book out and is writing another book and uh, does performing arts for social change. Mm-hmm. So she does social change theater. Um, and I was really into stuff like that. So, so by my senior year, I was her TA. I also hosted Best of Broadway on W90, 91.7 uh, WICB. Uh which was like an FM radio station at Ithaca, best of Broadway every Sunday morning. And um, I also was on the guest artist committee with my professors getting people to come into, get guest artists to come into the school and get yeah. a budget. So I'm looking at budget. I'm looking at planning. I'm looking at, um, you know, uh, just scheduling that was a that was a producer mindset Mm -hmm. but then the ta is the educator director mindset and then the wicb is the podcast personality mindset you know what i'm saying right so there were a lot of different things that bled that i was doing that bled into and on top of that i was getting my bfa musical theater and in legally blonde you know i was in the shows as well so like my sunday was the show was 10 to 12 and then I would get lunch and rehearsal started at one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was my day and, and I wouldn't have it any other way still to this day. That's what my days look like. It's like, yeah. and I love it. I love it. Cause I just want to be busy. I just want to work. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, that's a good segue into, I know, so you just shared like a bunch of resources and unique education that you had that kind of prepared you for what you're doing right now. All the different multi-hyphenates. Um, I want to ask you also more about the writing, but what I want to actually, I think a good segue into, I know that you have a number of workshops um, and courses available for people who maybe would want to learn some of these very valuable and important things if you want to be a multi-hyphenate in New York or wherever you are. Because like you said, you can make theater with a can and a stick. Oh, yeah. But you need to know kind of how to do that. And you so, need to know where to find the can and the stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one, listen to my podcast, download, like, subscribe, comment, rate, you know. Um, everywhere you download podcasts. Broadway Podcast Network just um, released their app. So download their app and you can just, you know, listen to your multi-hyphenate there or an Apple, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, you know, all those different places. Um, and that's free. You know, that's free. And just follow me on Instagram at your multi-hyphenate for more. And um, so, yeah, so there's that. Now workshops, um, I do teach a class called Multi-Hype uh, and multi-hype is a multi-hyphenate workshop, uh, a workshop designed for the multi-hyphenate, uh, where we basically focus on identity and catering uh, uh, plan and the tools to what it is to be a multi-hyphenate for you personally. So like, so like if, if I have an idea of being like, 
I, I think I have this idea where I think I want to do this. This is the story where I want to tell my co-teachers and I, Ashley Kate Adams and Kimberly Faye Greenberg, we come up with in that week intensive, we will, you will literally be able to walk away with a plan of, of literal uh, tangible ways that you will, and assignments that you will be doing in the middle of the week to make sure that you, um, to get to that place. So it's very exciting. And, um, you know, if you want to learn more about that, we're actually doing a town hall, a free webinar, April 29th is when it is. Let me just make sure it's April 29th. It is, um, it is April. Nope, it's April 26th. Cool. And the webinar, the webinar is on April 26th at 7 p.m. And if you just go to multihypeworkshop.com, that's multihypeworkshop.com, you can sign up for free and uh, we'll just send you the link the night before. And you can learn about um, the multi-hyphenate lifestyle, but it's going to be a nice intro to actually what we do in class. So there's that. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm looking at my calendar. So I'll probably release this podcast the week before. Um, and I can point people to that. Yeah. Great. I think, um, what I would say is, um, to, I think you should take it as well. Like, I think that you would be, I think that you would really enjoy it, especially because you are doing all of these different things. You are, you are a multi-hyphenate in your own, um, in your own rights, uh, I think you might actually really get something out of it. Yeah, no, it sounds, sounds really good. Um, and I've definitely got a lot out of, uh, sitting down talking with you today. Uh, I thank you for everything that you are doing, um, in the community in the arts community here in New York, um, and kind of in the entrepreneur community. Yeah. I didn't coin, coin that, but I like that term also. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about today? Oh my God. Um, no, that's good. Uh, just, you know, follow me on social media at the Michael Kushner and at your multi hyphenate and do, do, do download the podcast, comment, like subscribe, you know, all that good stuff. And, um, I'm very approachable. So just drop me a message on social media. I will see it. I will read it. And, um, I hope I get to work with everyone listening. And then do you have any just final parting thoughts today? Oh, yes. Um, uh, I will leave you with some Yiddish. And that means go shit in the ocean. <laughs> love it <laughs> you're, you're like okay no no, no. it's like um it's like a, it's like that's like everyone knows that um that yiddish phrase that's like yiddish 101 it's like before you even say like you know hello i feel like i i, I don't know that one that's weird yeah, yeah. gay cocking off and young go shit in the ocean uh davis devin kava you want some coffee um uh what is it uh it, uh the cup and dried in their face and their loft is like may your it's like a curse it's like yeah may your head grow in the ground and your feet in the air like an onion yiddish yeah yeah well thank you so much for having me thank you for being here of um, course it's a pleasure to get to know you and uh yeah i'll definitely check it out and I'm sure some people listening will as well. Yes, I, I sure as hell hope so. So um, thank you so much for having me. And let's kick this COVID butt. And we're so almost done. We're so we're so close. So yes, can't wait to get yes. get those shots, though. Yes, yeah. literally, I have my Band-Aid on right now. First dose. Nice. Yeah. Yay. Well, cool. Well, I'll let you rest up. Um, yeah, heal up. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thanks, friends. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. So that was my conversation with dear multi-hyphenate podcast host, 
Michael Kushner. Links are in the show notes to his podcast, um, his website. Follow him on Instagram as well. Also check out the Deer Multi-Hype Workshop. I think I'm probably going to check it out um, because the thing about it is there are a lot of people that can help you start up businesses and entrepreneurial, whatever you say that word as, um, endeavors. But uh, we need to find and connect with people that are doing the specific type of work that we want to do. And so specifically, I think that that workshop is calling me. Um, because it's very close, um, but different, but I think they'll be able to help me find exactly what I'm trying to do and hone in on some projects that I'm already working on. So I'm excited to check it out. Hopefully I'll see some of you there. Um, and I look forward to meeting those that I don't know yet. So follow the podcast. Um, and if you want to support and follow this podcast, subscribe, rate, review, share, Um, Sign up for our Patreon and also sign up for my monthly newsletter, which uh, the next one will be coming out soon. And I will talk to you soon. Until then, be well, create the thing, create the change you want to see in the world, be the change you want to see in the world, be the best version of yourself, share that with the world and share your story. Let me know what's going on with you. Reach out and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Peace.